food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. If you majored in art or if you've just been an artist your whole life, like I have, you will completely relate to a lot of this episode. Miriam Shulman joins me from The Inspiration Place, and she talks about embracing your inner uniqueness in order to find the success that you want. So instead of resisting that kind of creative artist side, like I was told for a lot of my life, we need to embrace that. And that is going to bring us to the success that we want. This is such an interesting conversation. I got so much out of it. I felt empowered after talking to Miriam. I felt like I wanted to just go speak my opinion and be weird and show people my unique sides of myself. So I hope that you are truly inspired by this too. This is episode number 408, sponsored by Rank IQ. Enjoy. Hey, food bloggers. Have you thought about working with a business coach but weren't sure if it was the right fit? Are you struggling to determine where to focus your time with your blogging business amidst all the different things clamoring for your attention? A small and intimate retreat for food creators run by Tastemaker Conference is a business coaching opportunity compressed into a few days with like-minded people who understand what you do. Get help determining your business goals for the year ahead and what may be holding you back from them. If you are looking for clarification on where to spend time and energy in your business or looking to form deep connections with others in the community who get it, this is the retreat for you. There are only eight spots available, so act fast if you're interested. This retreat takes place May 18th through 21st, 2023. It is an actual working event where you will accomplish big things. For more information and to grab your spot, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources, scroll down to the Tastemaker logo, and find the orange button labeled Food Creators Retreat. Miriam Schulman is an artist and founder of The Inspiration Place, where she helps other artists learn how to profit from their passion to become better artists. She's helped thousands of artists around the world develop their skill sets and create more time and freedom to do what they love. Her art and story have been featured in major publications, including Forbes, The New York Times, Art of Man, Art Journaling Magazine, What Women Create, as well as featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. Shulman's forthcoming book with HarperCollins, Leadership Artpreneur, was released on January 31st, 2023. The Inspiration Place podcast is in the top 1% of all podcasts and is listened to in over 100 countries. Hello, Miriam. Thank you so much for joining me on eBlog Talk. How are you today? Well, it's so great to be here, Megan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I start all of my episodes off by asking my guests if they have a fun fact to share. So do you have something to share with us? Yes. So since you talk to food bloggers, I will share with you that I am a vegan, but only 80 to 90% of the time. And I lie about it the rest of the time. Okay, how is that accepted by your fellow vegans? Because in our world, that doesn't usually fly. <laughs> so I was fully vegan for like about five years, and then I added in some fish, so oh, and yeah. maybe some eggs. And- <laughs> 
possibly really good cheese when it's available. So, so there you go. Yeah, I guess I lied. So part-time <laughs> vegan, it sounds like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm super excited to hear just more about everything that you have to offer. You are you call yourself an artpreneur and I would love to hear just a little bit about your story. Like what led you to the place where you're at today? I know you published a book. Just tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. The book is Artpreneur and it's been 20 years really in the making, even though I only started writing it three years ago. So my story is like many others. I didn't believe I could make a living as an artist. So I took the practical route and I went to work for Wall Street. And after 9-11 happened, I knew I couldn't go back to that world. So I set off to do something else. I still didn't believe that it would be art because I didn't believe I could make a living from it. So long story short, I took a job as a Pilates instructor and the gym was teaching me to upsell personal training packages because that's really how the business <laughs> model of successful gyms are all the upsells. And when I was going through that sales training is when I had my aha moment and realized, oh, these skills can be used to sell art. So I left the gym. That's when I became a full-time artist. So I've been a full-time artist for over 20 years now. And I started coaching other artists about four years ago, right around the time I started the Inspiration Place podcast. So interesting. Okay. So which skills did you pinpoint that were being used that you could sell art with as well? Well, definitely customer service and follow-up. So those were huge. But the first thing that I did was I simply moved the portrait of my son into the foyer where the moms were coming to pick up their kids from playdates. And my, my son is pretty social. So that, that really helped. <laughs> it was like basically the first influencer that was influencer nice. marketing, old school style. Right. And then I would do things like if I had a portrait commission and they wanted to pick it up from my home, I said, Oh no, no, don't worry about that. I'll see you at pickup. I'll bring it there because I knew the other mothers would it was mostly moms that pick up a few dads sometimes, but I knew the other parents would see the portrait. And so I would get more commissions that way. So yeah. it was definitely guerrilla style marketing the first few years. I love that. Okay. So you used your skills there and you just decided, yes, I'm going to make money as an artist. This is a thing. I remember I went to school I got an art degree in college and we were told by our professors, you are going to be a starving artist unless you can figure this out. And we were like, what? So why are we here? Why are we paying all this money? So this is a real thing. Like we're kind of taught to believe that artists do not make money, right? Right. And, and they didn't tell you how to figure it out, which you would think they would do in art school, like tell you, okay, and this is how you make a living. But there's definitely a path. Now, I'm not talking about making a living if you have your eyes set on being in a museum. Like that's a completely different path. But to be a mid-career artist and making sixty dollars to $100,000 a year from your art, I have lots of clients who are doing it too. Yeah, it is funny that they tell you that, that the, this is a problem, but then they don't tell you how to solve the problem. They're like, oh, good luck. You're here. Let's create some art. You're not going to make any money. <laughs> right. Okay. So you took those skills and you just figured this out. And I know that you have this belief that 
we all need to just embrace our style and that can lead to success. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And, but just before we get there, I just want your listeners to know that it wasn't like, Oh, the whole time. Like I definitely made mistakes along Mm. the way and I stumbled. And really when you're figuring anything out, you have to be willing to fail. So I just wanted to put that out there. Love it. You know, that this was not like I decided and everything was great. And there were obstacles I had to overcome. And that's why I'm able to teach it to other people because if it was all perfect, nobody would think it would work for them. You know, you have to be able to say, hey, some things work, some things don't. This is what works. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. Okay. So you want to get into embracing? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So in my book, Entrepreneur, I call this Embrace Your Inner Weirdo, but it's truly about finding your signature style. And the reason, Megan, I call it weirdo is because weird did not always have a negative connotation. The word weird is derived from Scotland and those of our listeners who may have studied Macbeth may remember the weird sisters. They were the three witches in Macbeth that predicted his fate. So the word back then, weird, actually meant fate, destiny, or magical. Hmm. What happened is over time, as the supernatural became vilified, the word weird took on a negative connotation. But when you say you're embracing your weird, you're actually embracing what's special, what's unique, what's magical about you. So that's what I want to talk to you and your listeners about today. Okay. I think the word weird is changing too. I I don't necessarily associate it with a negative connotation anymore. I think it's like, yeah, be weird, right? Be different, be unique. So I think it's evolving, but okay, go ahead. Okay. So I identified nine steps and I know we may not get through all of them today, but they all are in the, in the book Artpreneur. But the first one is going beyond your influences. And all these things are very important for the food bloggers who are listening because there's lots of food bloggers. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you say that? Like, uh, yeah, wait. lots. Okay. So the only way you're going to su- really succeed is, is if you stand out. So step one is going beyond your in- influences. Now, it's okay when you first get started to be a little derivative and model the gurus. But you're not going to get anywhere staying there. You really have to go beyond that. Okay. And that's hard to do. I will say, as you said, there are a lot of us. And I hear this all the time in our space. How? How can I stand out? So what are your thoughts on that? What are ways that we can do that? Yeah, we'll we'll get into all of them in the steps. But one thing I just want to say is that now what you said weird isn't so negative anymore. Mm -hmm. And what I hear from so many artists is they, they want to be weird. And I bet a lot of your food bloggers (laughs) kind of want to, but they're afraid and they're people pleasing. So when I create, I want to go to the place that's unusual, embrace my inner weirdo and trust my intuition that these eccentricities are is what going to make your blog better, more memorable, and ultimately more marketable. So don't resist the weird. That's right. That's right. <laughs> stop, okay. stop resisting. Okay. So step two is amplify those quirky things about you. So what is it that's really weird about you? And that's why you, I love the way you started off with the fun fact I bet you have some fun yeah. facts that, that make oh my it gosh. quirky. 
So many. Well, tell me one. I, your listeners know, but I don't. Oh, now you put me on the spot. Yeah. Um, See how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> turn the tables. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you think on that for a minute. Okay, I will. I always, when people pause for that, on that for me, I'm always like, come on, find something. And now it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, I'll think on it. <laughs> okay. All right. So think about the things that have nothing to do with being a podcaster or a blogger. So your audience, and now I'm talking to the listeners, your audience wants to connect with the real you behind the food block. So they may not share the same exact obsessions, but those idiosyncrasies is what's going to make you a more relatable person. So for me, I talk about how I live in New York. I talk about how I'm Jewish and most of the country is not in New York or Jewish, but hey, they like Seinfeld, so they get it. Or I talk about how much I love Harry Potter and not everybody likes Harry Potter, but I'm giving them permission to love their own fandom or love their own thing that they may be obsessed with. So did anything come to mind to you for you? Yeah, I'm absolutely obsessed with sweets, candy, sugar, and people, I don't know, they're and like it's a it's a huge obsession for me. People are surprised about how much candy I can eat. So there's one. I'm obsessed with Coldplay. I love Chris Martin. There's a couple for you. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So step three, we've kind of already alluded to, but it's stop people pleasing. Do you know what people pleasing is? Yeah, not not being yourself so that you appear are more acceptable maybe to the masses? Yeah. So if you're feeling reluctant to be weird or even different, it might be because you're inclined to people please. Mm -hmm. So people pleasing, it's kind of like being afraid to... So let's say my example. So I'm, I'm New Yorker. I'm Jewish. When I first started not selling my portraits, because obviously I was selling my portraits in New York. But when I started teaching online art classes, and this was about 10 years ago, the only online art teachers that I was aware of all were had these three things in common. They were blonde. <laughs> they lived in the Midwest, like Utah and Idaho. And they were not Jewish. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so I thought, oh, what, do I, what should I do? Should I be teaching people how to make Christmas ornaments? Like I, I just like, I thought, you know, it's how we talked about step one, go beyond your influences. Like I looked at what they were doing and thought I needed to do that. And mm. when you hide parts about yourself because you're afraid people are going to be, so in my case, anti-Semitic. Okay. If I'm afraid people are going to be anti-Semitic, I'm not sharing the real me. And that mm. is not connection. That's the opposite of connection. Hmm. So when you're hiding your eccentricities, you're not showing your authenticity. And most often, these are the very things that are going to make you memorable, that are going to make you stand out from all the other food bloggers. So when you are talking, you need to make a point of bringing these things in and not worrying about being weird, not worrying about pleasing everyone. And instead do the opposite and promote that special thing that only you have. So do you recommend, I love this concept, by the way, do you recommend that we do this through our blog post writing, social media, all the places, video, as much as we can? Everything. And the thing is, is that we're 
so self-absorbed. So I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. All of us are like this. <laughs> all of us as a whole. Yes. <laughs> we all think that everyone reads every single thing that we write and say, and they don't. So repeat yourself, like say the same things on social media and put that in your blog and put that into your email, put it in all the places over and over again. It's kind of like when you have a favorite band, you want their greatest hits. So people actually, when they like you, they kind of like when you say similar things over and over again anyway. So don't worry about repeating yourself. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Especially for our blog posts, people tell us all the time, we don't read your blog posts. There's too many words. So say it again somewhere else over and over and over. Yeah. Okay. What else? So that was step two, just amplifying those quirky things. Anything else about that? No, we can move on to step four, which is share your values. So your values are going to be, what do you believe? What do you think? And don't assume people know. And don't, again, don't hide it because people are going to make assumptions about you either way. And if you're not sharing these things, then you're still sharing something. You're sharing that you're opaque, that you're not a transparent person. Mm. Either way, they will get an idea about you. So what I like to say is that you might as well, people are going to love you or hate you. They might as well hate you for the right reasons. (laughs) Like, So don't be afraid to share what your true values are. And there's, again, there's a lot of people who are going to connect with what you truly believe. Give us an example of that. So if you were to share something about your values, what would you share? Okay. Well, there's a very good example that just happened recently. So in 2020 with George Floyd, there were a lot of people who were afraid to share what they think online about that. And that really came back to hurt people because when you're not sharing, they're going to assume something. They're going to assume what you think about that. So don't be afraid to share your values in terms of where do you stand on women's rights? Where do you stand on abortion? Where do you stand on what's going on in education in this... Megan, are you American? I forgot to ask. Yes. You okay. So, you know, and it, it's all, this is not just apply to Americans, though. I mean, you know, where do you stand on what's going on with the environment? What are your values? So for me, one of my core values is inclusivity. And you can see that throughout my book and throughout my podcast by the guests that I invite and by the people and the artists that I'm including in my book. And one of my main motivations for this book was whenever I tried to learn more about business through, over the years, and I picked up a business book, there wasn't a single woman on any of the pages. Mm-hmm. Even the quotes, it would be Zig Ziglar or Seth Godin. And the examples were their male clients and Picasso and Renoir. And it's so unfair because there are so many successful women, entrepreneurs, artists, yes. musicians, and there's always has been. Yeah. There always has been. So it's up to us to include them in our narratives and make a conscious effort to make sure we're being inclusive because it's too easy not to. 
Hey, food bloggers, real quick, want to tell you about an exciting opportunity for all of you travel lovers out there. A lot of you foodies are also big on exploring our country. If you plan on exploring New York City anytime soon, this might be a great opportunity for you. And if part of your audience relates to travel, they could benefit from this as well. The New York City Borough Pass is the way to experience the unique cultures and stories of New York City. This sightseeing pass for sustainable cultural travel provides access to a diverse roster of attractions, tours, and performing arts venues in each of the five boroughs of New York City, like the Alice Austin House Museum, where you can explore the life of LGBTQ icon, or the 250-acre New York Botanical Garden that houses over 1 million living plants, or the City Reliquary Museum with its quirky and hyper-local New York City collections. And the best part, Eat Blog Talk listeners receive a 10% off of one, three, seven, and 90-day options with the code EATBLOGNYC so you can choose the perfect duration for your adventure in the city. So what are you waiting for? Get your New York City Borough Pass today and discover the beauty of the people and places that make New York City one of the world's most vibrant and exciting destinations. Visit nycboroughpass.com to get yours now, nycboroughpass.com, and use the code EATBLOGNYC. I think this is something that we, just not food bloggers, but like online creators, you know, as a whole, kind of shy away from because we don't want to, I don't know, it's like we don't want to be pigeonholed almost as like the person who voiced their opinion about this. Like we just tend to want to talk about our art, right? Instead of the values, but you feel like it's really important that we talk about these. It's the opposite. You do want to be pigeonholed. Mm. Okay. If you look at the people who are most successful, no matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about politicians who we love or hate or musicians who we love or hate, they are very polarizing. Yes. So that's so true. Look at Beyonce. She is not afraid to talk about, you know, she campaigned for Hillary. So she's not afraid to do that. And not everybody likes her. Yeah. Right. And then you look at the opposite spectrum, of course, Donald Trump. So there are people who are very polarizing. They're very successful. People want to stand behind someone who has an opinion. This yeah. is why this is a fact. This is so relevant right now, Megan, because of chat GPT, anyone can give information, but chat GPT does not have an opinion. AI does not have an opinion. Yeah. We have opinions. How can we stand out in the world of artificial intelligence? You have to share your opinions, starting with your values. Okay. I love this because my youngest son just got into Eminem. He thinks he's like so cool. And we were listening to some of his lyrics. I'm like, wow, he is super opinionated. I mean, I kind of always knew that, but just looking at what he was saying, I was like, holy cow, like he is not shy and we all know how loved Eminem is. So that is one example of what you're saying. Yeah. And this is what I want the listeners to know there's no money in the middle. Mm. You have to have people love you and hate you. Be willing to have people hate you because there's no way you're going to have those lovers without the haters. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I just want to go speak my opinion now, Miriam, just all day. I'm just going to tell everyone what I think. (laughs) Okay, please do. You're inspiring me. No, this is really good because like the whole, you know, we're in a sea of all of these food bloggers And in order to stand out, one of the things we should be doing is speaking our opinion and telling people what we think. But we tend to do the opposite. So many of us do. So this is really inspiring. 
Yeah, it's boring not to tell your opinion. It is boring. You're and right. That's the death of a food blogger is to be boring. And it's suffocating too. It's like, wait a second, shouldn't I be saying what I believe? That's right? right. That's yeah. right. Okay, what else is there? All right, step five is embrace imperfection. And notice like even I'm doing this this whole time. Like you said, what's your fun fact? Well, I'm vegan most of the time. (laughs) I'm not afraid to let you see Mm -hmm. how I'm not perfect or that I've made mistakes along the way. So you need to embrace your imperfection, but it's more than that. So the example that I use in Artpreneur is Britney Spears. Now, with the lens that we're in in 2023, she does not seem like someone who's imperfect. But when she first came out, the way she sang incorporating Valley Talk into her singing was not done. That was not done back then. And her vocal coaches could have trained that out of her, but they didn't. Instead, they emphasized it. They dialed it up to an 11. And that is why then she became so popular and people started imitating that. Now, looking back, it seems like, oh, well, that that's so obvious. But it wasn't. It wasn't obvious. So here's the thing that I want you to remember. You do not have to give up your weirdness when you're blogging. In fact, the exact opposite is true. You must. You must give in to your weirdness and go to that place that's different from everyone else and create a blog that's completely different without caring what other people think. Don't get mad or upset or be resentful. Just embrace that weirdness on every level. Hmm. The imperfection thing is huge. I think when I see other creators or even friends just embracing imperfections online, I love it. I think how real and how relatable and how awesome that they're willing to show us this imperfect side of themselves, right? I feel like when it's perfect, it's just like, is that real? That has to be fake. But the imperfection is something that I can relate to because I am imperfect. (laughs) So I personally love that. I think that's why um, some of the TikTokers without makeup and no Uh, filters, they do so well. People really want that. Now we can go off on a deep a tangent here. One of my friends was saying how Pluto is entering Aquarius now and Pluto had been in Capricorn. And when it was in Capricorn, money was the most thing. But now that it's in Aquarius, it's and people who follow astrology would know what I'm talking about. I barely know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> but there's going to be a planetary shift according to people people are into this. But I've been seeing this anyway that that whole bro marketer polished posing in front of the jet, that is over. That's passe. People aren't don't want that anymore. Yeah. They want something that's real. And you can see this even in the decorating styles, like how things are more organic is more in style now rather than this very perfect, clean look. Like things that are looking more grungy is more in style now. Yes. And you mentioned TikTok. TikTok embodies imperfection. It's like if you want to really find success over there, you have to be real. You have to let down your guard a little bit and not be perfect is what I meant to say. So I love that. I love the new trend of just being more real for everyone. Do you want to talk about more of your steps or do you want to go? I know you have some thoughts about the future of marketing and social media that kind of leads nicely into this, which route would you like to go? 
Yeah, we can do that. So, cause they can get all nine steps in my book. In your Artpreneur, book yes. And there are some bonuses they get when they go to artpreneurbook.com, but you can get any format audio. In fact, what's interesting about the audio version of the book is that I included, instead of saying on the podcast, you know, Amy Porterfield says, blah, blah, blah. I actually have like the sound bites of everyone who's been on my podcast as they're quoted throughout the book. So the audiobook is a very interesting experience for that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So future of marketing, you have this idea that social media is maybe no longer the most effective marketing tool. Yeah. I'm ready to climb up on that soapbox. All okay. right. Let's hear it. All right. So Instagram is about to drive off the cliff like Thelma and Louise. Maybe they'll take the foot off the gas. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and I'll, I'll wish, I will share some statistics around that. And TikTok, I mean, we talked about TikTok, but doesn't mean rush over there because there's a couple of things about that. One, it's, it might be shut down by the government. And number two, you can follow somebody on TikTok and never see their content ever again. So it's engaging, but I call it the death of the scroll. And this is true of all short video format, whether we're talking about reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts, is the way those algorithms are set up is they want you to scroll up and they, you scroll up to something different, not the same person's content before it's even done. So there's no time to really engage with the creator. So we spend a lot of time creating this content that doesn't really lead to a lead for our email list, a follower on social media, or somebody who's going to follow our blog. So it's a lot of time spent. And I've had clients who've had reels go viral, like 45 thousand views and only picked on Instagram and only picked up a few new Instagram followers and no sales and no email leads. So let me just share some of the statistics. So when I started writing the book, the average engagement rate on Instagram was 1%. By the time I went to edit that section of the book in early 2022, it had dropped to 0.6%. 0.6%. What about the influencers, the ones who are telling us, oh, sign up for my class and I'll teach you how to get more engagement. We've all, and we've all gotten those DMs from people, hey, I'll show you how to get more engagement. The average engagement rate for an influencer, Megan, is 1.12%. Oh, wow. So uh, that means out of 1,000 people, only 11 people are engaging with what you're doing. That's sad. <laughs> That's hard to hear. Now let's compare that to email. So email, the average open rate is around 24%, right? Could be, so we're talking averages. If you do a good job, it might be better, you know, depending yeah. on your subject line, but let's go with the average 24%. So we said for Instagram, an influencer <laughs> needs to have a thousand people to get like 11 people to engage and a non-influencer needs 2,000 people to get 12 people to engage. How many people then do you need on email to get the same results? Well, 24%. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do the math for you. So and we'll make it easy math. Out of 100 people on your email list, that 24% open rate will be 24 people. Yeah, so a lot less. To get the yes. same result on Instagram, you need 4,000 people. Yeah. 100 Ouch. people 
100 people on email to get 24 people, 4,000 people on Instagram. I don't know about you, but the odds are a lot better on email and it's a lot easier to get 100 people on an email list than 4,000 followers. Oh my gosh, this is a message that we've been hearing for years and I feel like you're right. It's going in that direction. So many people are frustrated with social media, specifically Instagram right now. I hear it all the time. And I can tell you, Megan, it's not even the algorithm. Like we want to blame it on the algorithm. How do we beat the algorithm? It's not just the algorithm. People are just not on the platform anymore. Mm. So I wanted to, for my book launch, do a series of Instagram lives. And I ended up having to cancel them because when I, right before you go live on Instagram and how many followers do you have on Instagram, Megan? Not many, 3000 maybe. Okay. All right. That's still a lot of people. Like if we, you couldn't fit 3000 people in this room. Right. Okay. But I have 25,000 followers on Instagram. So I thought this would be a great strategy to do Instagram lives with influencers and with my clients. And I thought it would go live on both of our channels right before, and anyone at home can do this. So if you open up the app and you pretend like you're about to do a live and you click that plus button and you scroll past to where, and you scroll to where it says live right before you hit live, it will say right on the top of your phone how many of your followers are on the platform. If it doesn't say anything, that means nobody's on the platform, by the oh. way. Okay. <laughs> so for me, out of 25,000, how many would you think would be live at any on the platform at any given? Not live joining Not me. live, but Not on the platform. Not live joining me. Right. Very big distinction, but actually on the platform. I was going to say 100. It was never more than 65. Oh, wow. And that's not joining me live. That's on the platform. Right, that's just on the platform, yeah. So we were struggling to get 15 people live and that was a lot of time. So I was like, screw this, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just gonna send more emails out and do other things. So it's not just the algorithms. People are just no longer on the platform the way they were during the pandemic in 2020 and the way they were prior to 2020 when there were less things, less competition online for their attention. So we should be on email because that is something we definitely have control over. Do you have any tips for creating effective email marketing? Yeah. So the first thing I just want to say is that when you're a follower, whether the, let's say the same person is following you on Instagram versus email, and we said about the different open rates and the algorithm and blah, blah, blah. The biggest difference is that if I'm following you, Megan, when you send me an email, I decide whether or not I'm going to open that email. Uh, yeah. On Instagram, the algorithm decides if you even you're even going to see it. Mm. So we have control over that, much more control over that. And that starts with a good subject line. So if you want to improve your open rate from 24% to 30% or 40%, that's about writing a quality subject line. And I can just give, a, I mean, I have a lot to say on this topic. Yeah, but yeah. I can just give a very quick tip. Sure. Please do not have your email subject line be food blogger updates for March. Boring. (laughs) Okay. Now I know you say the boring right away and that sounds so obvious, but like in my world with the artists, we have studio updates Mm. and I've, I get them from all the time. These type of emails from other people like designers, like, you know, 
Young's decorating insights for March. You know, it's like, yeah, in oh this. So if it screams newsletter by the subject line, people just won't open it. So what would you recommend instead? Let's say a food blogger is sending out an update, maybe a collection of four recipes or something that they've done recently. What would they put instead? Okay. Well, this isn't my world, but I'll make it up. Okay. Nutella is the new black question mark. I don't know. Obviously, I'm making things up. Yeah. But like do something that's kind of curiosity driven. Like, okay. So you said four ideas. So four ideas, that might be okay. But I would do something like, what do you serve your mother-in-law? See, that would get me to open it because it's like, this is something that's so different than what somebody else might write. Or my mother-in-law actually ate this or something like that. Like, I love the intrigue, the curiosity. Yeah. Subject lines yes. are so good. Those And that's how you also bring in a part of you. So you mm. may, it may be three snacks to serve your son's wrestling team. Oh. Now, even if you don't have a son on the wrestling team, like I had a son on a wrestling team, but even if you don't, that would make you open it. And then you need to share details about your son's wrestling team and what you serve them. Now, the person who may be opening it, maybe they don't have a son on the wrestling team, but maybe they have a daughter who has soccer, a yeah. soccer team. So do you see how that works? Bringing yes. in your style with also creating emails that make people want to open it and be more interesting. And now people are following along with your journey. So what did she serve her mother-in-law? What's this all about? And you can share a little bit more. Of course, this assumes your mother-in-law isn't subscribed to your email list. (laughs) She's like, wait, that's a lie. (laughs) If she is, be nice. Yeah. (laughs) No, but this also opens the door for everything else you've talked about. So this opens the door for you sharing your uniqueness, you being imperfect. Maybe you share a story about the fail that you served your son's wrestling team. Like it, it opens the door for all of your messaging. Yes, exactly. So the subject line could be mm-hmm. don't serve this explanation point. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, those are the things that really get people to open an email. Mm. They've all seen four ideas for a Sunday brunch. Like I, I wouldn't open that one. Right. No yeah, I'm with you. I, we see all the standard food subject lines over and over, and it's like, oh my gosh, I've seen that so many times. So we do have to get a little bit creative and unique. Okay, is there anything else you want to mention? I know you have a lot to talk about in your book. So tell us anything that we're missing, and then also tell us where we can find your book and any other details you want to say about it. Sure. So they can get started. I did dropped the link earlier for how they can buy the book, but they can get started absolutely free. We're giving away the first chapter and the first chapter is called Choose to Believe. And you can go to shulmanart.com forward slash believe. And Shulman is spelled like school, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N-A-R-T. And if you like what you heard today, come find me on the Inspiration Plays podcast. These are the kinds of things I talk about. Awesome. This was so fun, Miriam. I feel inspired to just go be unique and weird and opinionated now. (laughs) Thank you for that. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, really. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Sure. Okay. So, all right. I just flipped open my book because I start every chapter of a quote and I'm trying to to pick one. Perfect. Okay. This is a good one. This one is from Misty Copeland. So for those who don't know, she was, uh, I think, one of the first Black prima ballerinas. Know that you can start late, look different, be uncertain, and still succeed. 
How perfect for today in this chat, right? Yes. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That was absolutely perfect. Well, Miriam, we will put together a show notes page for you. So if you want to go peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash the inspiration place. You've already shared everything about your book and where we can find that. Is there anything else you want to share about where we can find you online? No, just if you like what you heard today, come find me on the Inspiration Place podcast, wherever you're listening to Megan and me right now. I'm on all the places and I'd love to connect with you over there. Great. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a fun chat. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Don't forget to head to forum.eatblogtalk.com to join our free discussion forum and connect with and learn from like-minded peers. I will see you next time.